Before we head into the episode, I want to give a special shout out to our sponsors Gong, Salesloft, Proposify, ZoomInfo, Chili Piper, Reprise, and Vidyard. Hopefully, you enjoy the show. Welcome to the One Up One Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan J. Ingram. And as always, we're bringing in sales leaders, creators, and business owners to talk about what is their one up formula to enhance their sales performance. And today I have Jed Marley. Now, People say Marlo. Yeah, not Marley. like not like Jed Harlow. That's actually what I <laughs> Jed Harlow on the on the podcast. Now I'm kidding y'all. But what we're gonna talk about today from a theme perspective is how to be a breakout SDR. Now, a lot of people talk about how to do the sales development role, how to prospect and things of that nature. But we're going to talk about how to be a standout today uh, with someone who is making massive ways as a sales development leader and, and continuously will do so. So that's why we have him here. But as always, before we get into the meat of the conversation, we like to have a little fun with it and ask some questions. So, Jed, I did my own prospecting and my own sales development and found that you played travel basketball. So tell me, what was your highest scoring game and... What was happening in that game that led to that high scoring game? Yeah, I had 42 points was my high scoring Wait, game. Wait, hold on, hold on. 42? Yeah. Oh, okay. The, Dang. Yeah, so I would have started in a high school, but the coach's son was the uh, the starting point guard. Yep. Shout out to him, though. He's good. Anyways, he was out that game. Our our two was out as well, our shooting guard. Yeah. And it was just the perfect storm. I was just hitting all my shots. I was in the groove. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. 42, yeah. 42. So talk to us a little bit more about travel basketball. How was that? And then what got you into basketball? Man, I I just love basketball from the get-go. Um, I, I love to shoot. That's really what got me into it. Mm. And um, I think... I was homeschooled as well. Okay. And so I had a lot of extra time and I wanted to pour myself into basketball. I was trying to play college basketball. That was the goal. I didn't end up doing it. Not quite athletic enough. You know, I'm a bit of a shooter, but but again, not quite athletic enough. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just like the competitiveness. You know, it was super fun. That That's really what got me into it. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, you know, diving a little bit deeper into that, I saw that you had a lot of videos that showed your scrappiness yeah. and talking about, hey, this is the work that you put in to get into your role. So talk about where does that drive come from for you? Yeah, I mean, for me, I guess I feel like I want to be the best at one thing. Yeah. So for all of high school, it was it was basketball, right? Yeah. And there came a point where I realized, all right, I'm going to hit a ceiling. I can only go so far in this. I'm going to ride the bench if I go college. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah, if yeah. I if I yeah. can do that, and that's being generous. Yeah, for sure. So I made the shift, right? Like I, I got into sales. That was something I knew I wanted to do. I actually skipped college. Um, and once I got into sales, it was the same sort of thing. Like all that time and energy I was spending on basketball, I, mm. I put it into sales and specifically sales development. Yeah. And so the thing for me was like, I just want to be the best prospector i can i know that's a huge market there's tons yeah. of value in that with all the SaaS companies blowing up sure and so that's the way i thought about it i just kind of poured that same energy that i had in basketball into you know prospecting sales development yeah and you know speaking of prospecting and sales development i saw something interesting a couple months ago the I already cold, know what you about to ask. The, the cold you already know what i'm about to go with this <laughs> the cold facetime i don't know if you were I, I don't know if you were the person doing it or yeah. the charge. I did see you post about it. So I, you could tell me it was a joke or like you actually are doing these cold FaceTime yeah. metrics. You're a manager now. I don't know if that's a KPI you have. Like talk to us about this cold FaceTime and this sales development world. Like is, it, is this really a thing or like what's happening here? It's funny because when it blew up, my CRO called it out on a meeting. He's like, yo, is this, is this legit? Like, are we doing this? And I had to let him know it was a joke. So it started as a joke, right? Yeah. I don't even know why. It just it was a joke. I, I made a post about it. <laughs> yeah. And then we have this rep, Alex Nelson. Shout out to him. He's one of the scrappiest SDRs I know. He actually did it. 
and um, he booked a meeting. Oh, he so booked a first the, first time. First time. I'm not even kidding. Wow. You, can, you can hit him up on LinkedIn, Alex Nelson. Um, he booked the meeting, and uh, it was already like a warm prospect sort of thing. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie, we've had a few reps do it. I don't like coach my reps to do it, but specifically <laughs> with people where you're not hitting them on LinkedIn, they're not opening your emails, they're not answering your calls. Yeah. Like screw it, like let me Facetime you. Yeah. And it worked. It's not something I'm coaching. It was literally a joke, but he turned a joke into an actual meeting. Yeah. <laughs> it's very rare that people do it, but yeah, I don't know. It was it was funny, man. <laughs> so it started off as a joke. Yeah. One of your reps actually did it, booked a meeting, and you yeah. still have people who try it from time to time yeah okay yeah that's really interesting it's wild man. i don't even know if i could if i could do it that's what i say would you actually recommend tough. it or you just kind of like ah I, I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it i mean unless like i said you you can't hit anybody you know if you get in touch with this person you're gonna book a meeting absolutely but like every other channel they're ghosting you like you know you got to try different things sometimes so, yeah yeah no, that is absolutely hilarious. I did see a couple people saying like, oh, I booked the meeting and it got, it went crazy. Yeah, with it. dude, it was wild. It was like for like two weeks, everybody's talking about it. So now that we've understood where that cold FaceTiming comes from, you personally haven't made a, a cold FaceTime yourself. So we, we just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. Let's get into how do you get into the SDR role, right? So you can do your cold FaceTimes. I'm just kidding. But how, but how, <laughs> on the, but how are you prepping to get into the SDR role, what did you do to break yeah. in? So I was fortunate enough to go through this program called Praxis. Okay. Um, and they, it's not sales focused, but they teach you how to kind of get into the professional world. Okay. And so they basically teach you how to be an SDR without it being that necessarily. Okay. So it's like the biggest thing was mini projects, right? So first yeah. of all, you, there's tons of resources, right? Like this podcast, there's tons yep. of resources to learn about the SDR role, the SaaS space, that sort of thing. Um, but the biggest thing was creating these mini projects. Yeah. So I created the list of companies, you know, small growing startups that I wanted to be an SDR at. Yeah. And I would say, hey, here are 10 prospects I found that I think might be a good fit for you guys. Here's how I'd reach out. Uh, this is like the script I would use. This is the email template I was I would mm. use. And they were trash. Like I didn't know what I was doing, right? But that's <laughs> not the goal. They, they know that I don't have experience. They just want yeah. to see the initiative. Exactly. And like now as an SDR manager, our best reps have been people that don't necessarily have the experience, but they have that scrappiness you talked about. They have the motiv motivation, the determination. Mm. And that's what really, you know, we're looking for. Yeah. And so when I was trying to get into the space, that's exactly what I was doing. I was like, yo, trying to show that I'm competitive, I'm motivated, mm. creating these projects and just sending out videos. So basically yeah. being an SDR. And that's what ultimately led to me, you know, ending up at PandaDoc. So you were sending out videos. And yeah. who are you sending those videos to? Typically the SDR manager. Okay. Sometimes recruiting, but usually okay. like the SDR manager or director. So let's talk about this. You were like, okay, I want to put myself out there and be scrappy yeah. and make these videos out to these people to get hired as an SDR. Yeah. Why don't people do more of that? Why don't, don't know, we have man. more Jed Harless? What's happening? <laughs> Love the name. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think I was fortunate to go through that program where they taught that to me. Yeah. I think it's because people don't know it exists, right? Yeah. Um, that's the big thing. Like, people just don't know this is a thing. We've all been brought up thinking you just apply, you send in your resume, your cover letter, and that's the typical way to do it. Yeah. But if you really start researching SDR or like the role, the job, I think people start to learn that like, to get a job as an SDR, you have to yeah. SDR yourself, you know, prospect yourself. Yeah. That's what I tell people all the time is that yeah. if you want to get a sales job, like sell yourself into the job. Yeah. It's one of the easiest ways to do it inside of this profession. Yeah. Right. Going through a whole stack of resumes is probably not going to be ideal for anyone. Right. right? <laughs> and doing into that. So when you're prepping, you set out videos to people. 
you were listening to different resources. Is there, but you know, we talked about practice, but is there like books or podcasts you listen to before becoming an SDR so you could like really launch into that role? Yeah, I think looking back in it, I probably would have read some different books. I can't, I think it was literally called How to Cold Call, right? Because I knew I wanted to, I, it's, <laughs> okay. look it up. I can't remember the exact name, but it was like a very basic book that was probably yeah. created in like early 2000s. Probably so. And I'm like, I want to be an SDR. So I just looked up cold calling books. It was the first one I read yeah. that. It helped me get like a, a foundation. But the next book that I read that was really helpful was You Can't Keep, Teach a Kid to Ride a Bike at a Seminar, the Sandler book. Mm, okay. Um, that one really helped me understand like the, the fundamentals and like the full, like, process of sdr to ae mm. you know closing a deal that whole process it, it yeah. gave me perspective around what is the true role of an sdr like from a, a bird's eye view kind of thing yeah so that book helped a lot i mean that was like the first real sales book i read yeah other than that uh that whack cold calling book. No, what, yeah. <laughs> i don't even know i think that's really what it's called i don't know <laughs> it's so wacky you don't remember the author yeah. <laughs> it's like ah, it was whatever yeah so you prepped accordingly. You have all the different resources that you've talked about. As you got into this role, what was your game plan to master the first 90 days? Yeah. So actually when they hired me, I was, they didn't tr necessarily like, I didn't have the experience to be full time. Yeah. So I was getting paid 15 bucks an hour on a contract for six months. And they said, if you okay. prove yourself over the six months, we'll promote you to SDR. So I was basically on a contract role having to prove myself hmm. for six months let's talk about that real quick before yeah. we move forward so you had to get contracted out yeah how did that make you feel in the moment honestly man i was just thankful to get the job like, yeah i was like whatever it takes i'm trying to get in so that i i was ready i mean like let me prove myself you yeah know what i mean yeah i think that's a good point before we move forward on like what your game plan was to like obviously go full time in, in that yeah. story because there's a lot to unpack there because i feel like a lot of people when they get offered something hey it's, this is gonna be $15 an hour, $10 an hour. They're like, oh, well that's, I'm, no, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. When all they have to do is really just take that time as Gary, my boy Gary Vee would say like, you know, eat dirt and to make sure that you can get to that next level. Yeah. So where, so where was that tenacity coming from to be like, hey, I gotta prove myself rather than like, oh no, I'm gonna find another job that's actually gonna put me full time. Honestly, uh, it started with, first of all, like the company, I really yeah. wanted to work at PandaDoc specifically. And there's okay. companies where I was like, if I get in the door in any way, shape or form, I'm going to take that offer. Yeah. So it started with the company. Right. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, I had no experience and, and that was really it. I was like, bet, like, let me prove myself. Yeah. Um, so it really just came down to even me not fully knowing if I could do the job or not. So I was like, just let me take it. Let me prove myself and see where I can go. Yeah. But again, it started with the company. Like if I can get in the door at the right company where I see the long-term vision, like I know that people have been promoted from SDR to AE, SDR to management, and I knew the the long term potential there. Yeah. So that's really where my mind was at, as opposed to, you know, getting an SDR job at not the greatest of companies where you might not get promoted for like oh, yeah. the short term. And probably benefit. get fired, right? Yeah, that's because like, all they're the time. cutting people off, and and there's good SDRs. Yeah. Great SDRs that were yeah. just in bad situations, and it shows up on the resume. Yeah, especially right now when there's like people hiring so many SDRs, companies going so fast. Yeah. And like six months later, people get cut. So yeah. the company is really important. Pardon the interruption. When I'm not doing these one-up format podcast interviews, I'm coaching and training teams within large tech organizations such as Salesforce, Slack, and Zoom. And the thing is, you could get that same exact information within our better on-demand platform. And within this platform, it's the same exact courses that we're training clients on, live AMAs, webinar recordings, 
templates and also in invitations to our live events as well. So don't wanna miss out on this opportunity. We have a lot of members right now really doing well within their role, getting promoted and over accelerating on their quota. So if you want an opportunity, go check out our membership program so that you can get involved and start getting these same results as well. So you pick PandaDoc, you made those videos that make yourself stand out. So now let's go back to that nine day plan. So you're now here and you're like, cool, I want to be a standout SDR. What was that game plan for you? Yeah. So first off, I had to, I had, there was a boss, the director of uh, yeah. SDRs and what he, he, he was actually brand new. So he joined the same time I joined. Okay. And when he joined, um, he's like really old school. His name's Troy Barter. Yeah. Taught me a lot, but he was like, he wanted everybody to hammer the phones. So he was like, cold call, cold call, cold call, as many dials as possible. He was big on the phones because prior to him joining, that wasn't really a big part of the culture. Yeah. And so I knew what he wanted. He just wanted to see people that could dial the phone. So I figured if that's what he wants, I'm literally going to do that better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So my 90 day plan to start was just out call everybody, yeah. you know, just control what I could actually control. And so it started with focusing on what he wanted, which was just out dialing everybody. Yep. And then meeting with the top reps and like trying to understand what they were doing, what was working. So how did you reach out to the top reps and where did you find the confidence to do that? Yeah, it's it's tough, man. I think it started. So we were in the office, first of all, which makes it easier. Yeah, but I think now same sort of thing. People saw that I was putting in the work like I didn't reach out day one. Yeah, it was like they saw like the hey, energy. Uh, yeah, the energy. I think it comes from the energy and also the fact that it showed up on the numbers that I was trying to out dial everybody. I was yeah. trying to be top of the board. And so they saw that. Um, and I think that's where it came from. I did that for a few weeks for about a month, maybe, and then reached out and said, hey, like I'm making all these cold calls, but I just need help with actually converting on them. And so I think you have to prove yourself to an extent with what you can control first and then go to those people. Yeah, because depending on how big the company is, I'm sure they're getting reached like the top reps. Everybody's reaching out to them for advice, you know, what absolutely. I mean? And so you got to make sure that you have something to offer as well. So when you're coming in there to something to offer, probably from the top rep perspective, you probably have a lot of innovative things that you would offer because of the videos that you're making yeah, yeah. and other things that you learned in the background from things that I've seen from you. So what were you offering? That's number one. And then also a part of that question is, what were you doing in the conversation? Did you have questions already prepared? There were there things that you're like, I know this person's a great email writer. So I'm just going to talk about email only. What was that? approach going into that conversation yeah um man honestly i don't have a good answer for what i offered like yeah. I, I i just had nice i was fortunate to have reps that were like yeah i'm <laughs> yeah, down like, to help, help. Yeah. but again i think it's because there's a sense of pride right like you want to help people that you see have potential so yeah you prove yourself first of what you control and then people you know if they're going to get promoted to ae when i'm your sdr like you know, I'm going to kill it for you. That's yeah. another thing. People who are top reps are usually on the verge of getting promoted to AE. Yep. You might be their SDR. And so they want to help you. It's, it's a long-term benefit for mm -hmm. them. Um, but no, I would specifically come to them with calls I wanted help with and also just asking for specific advice around parts of my cold calling process. So like, how are you doing your opener? How are you closing for the meeting? But I would have a specific thing that I would come to that meeting with and ask. Um, or literally just ask, hey, can I listen to your calls? We were in the office. Yeah. So I was like, can I just listen to you make calls? um and learn from him that way as well yeah I, I like that you were there listening making and listening to those calls and making them with them i think you can yeah. learn a lot from listening and i've even done that myself when i was an sdr i would go sit next to the top rep and it elevated my energy yeah like i was making 60 calls a day and he's like dude i'm doing 120 i'm like yeah you're doing 120 like, yeah. <laughs> like i gotta do 130 right so it creates that competition yeah that i 
that you already have the drive, but when you see someone take it to the next level and you know you can match that, it creates a whole different aspect of an energy. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. So when you're doing everything here, you're going out, you're talking to the top reps, you're doing certain things. What month would you say that you hit your stride? Yeah. So the first three months were rough. Again, my yeah. whole strategy was just out dial everybody. Yeah. And I think that uh, just pure work ethic is only going to get you so far. Yep. If you're not like taking a step back and kind of saying, what okay, am I doing? Yeah. What can I do better? <laughs> yeah. So I hit quota one month yep. and then I had a horrible month. Yeah. And I was like, shit, I got to do something different. So it was around that fourth month where things started to transition. Yeah. And uh, we can talk about some of the things I did, but yeah, it was that, it was that fourth month where yeah. I really started to like transition from just hammering the hell out of the phones to actually yeah. figuring out how to be more strategic. So I do want to talk about the stuff you did, but I also want to talk about a moment because I, I, you're better than me. I hit, I missed quota three months in a row. So <laughs> like, I was like, yo, I'm trash. I need to get out of here. And I obviously got over the hump, but I'm here today. Yeah. Because of your competitive drive, were, are you the person that when you do have that punch in the face, essentially, to like get back up and be like, I'm ready? Yeah. Are you a person that's like, oh, this is adversity. Like, I don't really know about this. And like you retreat. Like what got you to be like, I'm going to attack back. Like, I know that month sucked, but I'm going to come back on this one. Yeah, that's a good question, man. Uh, there was a moment I remember in my apartment where I was having that trash month. Yeah. And I, I knew I was going to end up like bottom of the board at the end of the month. Yeah. And I was like, shit, like I've only been doing this for five months. Like I can just back out now. Mm. Like, and everyone can see it too. So you're just like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just it doesn't feel good, man. Yeah. Especially that com like that competitive drive in you it does not feel good just being bottom of the board. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, I, I, I had a moment where I was like, I don't know if I want to do this um just that constant grind of having to hit the quota um i think i can't remember what the exact moment was where it kind of transitioned yeah but it, it really came from just seeing how honestly how much money other reps at my company were making yeah. you know just talking to other people and seeing like if they can do it why can't i yeah and just seeing like the opportunity and so just reminding myself of the potential opportunity because you know, you can make a lot of money in sales, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's why we're in the role, right? That's why so I was like, role. if they can do it, why can't I do it? That's yeah. what I thought about it, I guess. I love that. And that's a good mindset. Pushing forward, hey, I know I can do this and drive. And that's why you talk to those top reps. So you mentioned a couple of things that you did. So what did you did to bounce back? Big Sean, shout out to Big Sean. But how, what did you do to bounce back? Yeah. For, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Troy. <laughs> um, yeah, there was a few things. So the, the first thing was I was just calling everybody, right? So I, yeah. I took a step back. I actually... First of all, I taught myself how to use Salesforce a lot better. I did not know okay. how to use Salesforce. Like reports, the dashboard, reports. all that stuff. Do you take like a course or you just kind of like YouTube? I mean, there's tons of YouTube videos. On yeah, it. You, a lot of YouTube videos. Mm. Um, I just started practicing. I was like, okay, here's a report that I found in Salesforce. Yeah. Let me work backwards and just try to create this report. So I take yeah. a report, look at all the filters and say, okay, let me teach myself how to create this report. Yep. So it's a lot of self-learning and stuff. That's a huge thing though. Reps who know how to use Salesforce, it's huge for them. Mm. So I started looking at our, because I was on the outbound SDR team. I looked at the inbound data and I was like, where are we booking the most meetings in my mid-market segment? Like mm. who are the titles? What types of companies are they? We sell e-signature software so we can sell to a, a ton of different industries. Yep. And so I started looking for trends and being a little bit more intentional. Mm. Uh, we didn't have like a set account list. We could really at the time reach out to like any prospects. So I was like, where are we seeing the most uh, volume as far as inbound leads? Yeah. And I started transitioning to those people. And then I started really um, doubling down on the titles I was having the most success with. Mm. So I was calling, uh, you know, people in marketing, people in sales, because again, we can yeah. sell to all these people. And I doubled down on salespeople because I'm like, I knew myself. I'm like, I know I can talk to salespeople a lot mm. better. 
And so my targeting basically got a lot better. That's where it started. Yeah. Um, there's some other things as well, but it really started with the targeting and actually learning those Salesforce reports. I, w- I would say those, the two things that you mentioned are the biggest pieces of how people change the game. Yeah. And I would definitely point to even that three months that I mentioned, it was understanding Salesforce. Cause as my, re- as my old colleague would say, them gold in them heels. And so we would always just go, <laughs> it's super Southern, but he was like, we got gold in the hills. And I was like, bro, what are you talking about? But he was right. Yeah. So, cause if you build the right reports, you know how to do dashboards, you can pull things all over the yeah. place and be like, whoa, okay, there's like, 500 accounts that no one's talked to yeah. at all for the past four months but they actually know who we are and maybe yeah. they just dropped them because they were like not interested now and you reached back out and they were interested and that was an easy meeting yeah like one of my favorite ones was like if a rep had left yeah um i would pull up a report of all the calls they had yeah where the sentiment uh was interested but the demo wasn't scheduled yeah right and i would just call them back up like hey you were in touch with, with so-and-so rep <laughs> Like we were supposed to talk at this time. And I yeah. would just say, you asked me to follow up. Yeah. Book those meetings. So like the stuff that the old reps warmed up, I would yeah. just go in at the last moment. And Did anyone ever call you out on it? At the time, no. You could get away with certain things, yeah. right? But also I think obviously, at bigger companies, right? Like more yeah. depending on how established it is, there's certain things you can and can't get away with. But yeah. there's always going to be ways you can you can kind of maneuver things and, and figure out where to get meetings. Yeah. And I think the best reps know how to do that, you know? They do. They do. The reason I ask is because at my old company, um, because we were doing it at such a high velocity, they were like, oh, the grubbers are coming. <laughs> so, like, so basically, yeah, yeah. as soon as you lost touch, yeah. as soon as you didn't follow up, we would be on it like yeah. vultures. And people were like, whoa, what are you doing? I was like, I'm literally just looking at my reports. Yeah. Like, that's not on me. You're just not keeping tabs on what you're doing. Yeah. So I wanted to see if you had ever gotten that conversation. Uh, no, no, yeah, no, good, not good, really. Because like, <laughs> like my manager at the time, he he respected, like he wanted people to be, yeah. like you said, all over it, like vultures. And so at, at the end of the day, like what was more important to him was, are we reaching out to that prospect in time or is it your lead or your, like we yeah. just got to be on top of things. Absolutely. So you got that nailed down. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm doing well in this role. I'm progressing. Um, You ended up becoming the number one SDR at the organization. And now you are managing a, a global team, which is incredible to hear for, for where you're at in your career. So give us a couple, let me give you three best practices that you would give the SDRs right now for them to be standouts. Yeah, I mean, we already talked about the targeting, the yep. Salesforce reports. Um, I mean, the big one I've seen is not a lot of SDRs take time to learn how to write emails effectively. So there's tons of courses on how mm. to do that. I know you guys at JB Sales, you have yep. courses and stuff, but actually take action to learn how to copyright and, and write good emails. Yeah, That's the biggest one. That was a big thing for my transition is I was just, if all you're doing is setting the templates that you know your manager, your marketing team creates, you're yep. only going to get so far and you have to innovate. So that's the biggest thing is learn how to write email templates and, and improve your email game is the biggest one. Um, Second one, a big thing. So time blocking, right? It's not a new concept, yeah. but the way I've seen a lot of reps time underlooked, block, it's underlooked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I feel like there's a right way and a wrong way to time block. Yeah. The way I like to do it is keep my time block super short, but also goal oriented. So mm. I'll do like 30 minute call blocks and I'll say my goal for this, for this call block is, you know, 25 calls or yeah. three conversations, whatever comes first. Yep as opposed to doing a two hour time block where I'm not going to be super efficient, right? I'm going to spend, I'll make some calls, I'll get some coffee, I'll answer Slack. If I got two hours, yeah. you know what I mean? So I'll give myself a really tight block to be as, as efficient as possible. 
So obviously time blocking, but doing it the right way where you're being efficient and not just throwing it on the calendar and letting things happen. Yeah. Um, what's a good third one? I'm trying to think. Um, obviously, I mean, I want to repeat the, the, the Salesforce reports again, yep. like just learning how to get into Salesforce, do that sort of thing. Actually, a good third one is uh, reach out to um, end users of your product. I mean, it depends on what you sell. A big thing that helped me is going on LinkedIn since we sell to sales reps. I would look at the accounts I'm trying to sell to um, and I would reach out to their account executives and say, hey, how are you sending proposals right now? Because that's what we help with proposal software. Yeah. I'm like, how are, you, how are you sending proposals right now? What problems do you have? Those people have tons of information for you. Yeah. And that helped me a ton in just getting information, then going to the decision makers. So go low, go a lot lower than you usually do. Go to individual contributors and get information and then go to the top. Yeah. I wish I had, I don't, I don't have my soundboard on me, but... I don't, you know this song in mixtape when they're like, oh, dang, son, where'd you find this? <laughs> like, that's what I want to say right now because, like, I want you to repeat that tip because it was a really good tip. So I need you to go back and say that again because I don't want people to miss that. Yeah. Because that is a clutch tip that you just gave that not a lot of people do. Yeah. Yeah, so again, the tip, reach out to individual contributors or end users mm -hmm. um, at the accounts you're targeting yep. for information. Right? They have information to give and... The response rates, like you can even send automated emails or just quick LinkedIn messages. You could. The response rate is so high because they're not getting bombarded with emails like decision makers are. Yeah. And um, especially if you sell to salespeople, that's the easiest because they're always going to help another salesperson out. Yeah. If you're just genuine and it's just free information you can take to decision makers. It is. And and especially if you're targeting salespeople, salespeople have a 99.99% acceptance rate on all yeah, connections. All, so, yeah, <laughs> so you're going to be good. Uh, but I know some people listen out here and maybe reach out to IT. So yeah, you can reach out to IT. You can reach out to security managers, marketing managers, marketing associates. Don't just listen to this. It only works for sales. It works for other people. And I've seen it work for our clients. So I just want to get that context there. We do it in HR. Like yeah. we literally sell to so many departments hr again yeah, it's easy yeah. yeah oh yeah i know i'm interrupting the show here and i want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor gong and gong allows you to listen to the recordings of your sales calls and the reason why i love it is because i could go back in the film room listen to calls that i've made listen to the mistakes that i made and get better for the next sales call to close one thing that i would love to hear from you is besides cold FaceTiming, besides <laughs> cold FaceTiming, what is a new strategy that you are seeing from your own team and from yourself that's like, wow, this is something that I didn't really think would work as much and it's been pretty beneficial for your team? Hmm. Good question. I'm trying to think of a new strategy. I mean, so we were doing texting for a little while okay like cold, cold texting. texting yeah but y'all so are crazy cold facetime cold texting what do you do cold <laughs> when people are opted in right because yeah. i don't want to like first of all there's like actual like laws around that yeah you know what i'm saying like straight up cold texting yeah but specifically with people where we've had contact in the past or maybe we've had an opportunity or we've talked to them in the past we'll do that as like you're familiar with like the triple touch where you call email and yep. stuff yep it's like, we'll leave a call, send an email, and then shoot them a text at the same time. Okay. So specifically with prospects where we've already had a previous touch point, maybe it's like a follow-up, like I said, a previous opportunity. Yeah. That's where we'll include the texting channel because um, we've already been in touch with them in the past. But it's worked, man. It helps, again, draw... The, the goal of the text, though, is to draw them back to the email. Mm -hmm. And it's just another touch point that you can add in. Um, that's been the biggest thing for us as far as what I can think of over the last three months. That's a really interesting on the texting piece because... 
texting can go well and it can go awful, yeah. <laughs> right? But I think with the triple touch, is that something that you're using in most of your campaigns or is it seldom that you'd use that? Pretty much all of our touch points. So it's like if we're sending an email, we're also making a call and a LinkedIn yeah. touch at the same time. You think about all the channels, we're trying to combine a combination of three at the same time anytime yeah. we do a touch point. Okay. And then texting is just another thing we throw in there. Yeah. Well, so, do you have do you have conversion rates on what the texting has been? I know that's probably hard to track, but do you have like a range or something like that? So we typically don't book meetings off of the texting. Okay as much okay it, it usually just comes from higher response rates so we okay. have seen like when we look at our cadences where there's a text like touch point yeah. sales loft which is what we use they have that as yeah. a part of their features now the reply rates are higher and it, again it's only when we send an email then we're shooting a text like hey just sent you an email yeah um so I guess not specific data points but we can see from the cadence that at least the reply rates are going up yeah I like that I like that so another thing that I want to pivot to is we're gonna talk about how to go from a rep to a manager like you did, yeah. uh, but I wanna talk about intangibles. We've talked to, about a lot of tactics yeah. and people will probably have fire coming out of their pins right now from the notes <laughs> they've taken. So we need, to, we need to cool them off a little bit. So the thing is, is that from the intangible standpoint, what is the number one thing intangibly yeah. that you see that helps an SDR be a standout? Long-term vision, like being able to see okay like the long-term vision like i would say determination grit that whole sort of thing i think yeah. we kind of all get that if you're an sdr we've for talked sure. about that but like long-term vision right um i see it with a lot of sdrs like you'll hit quota for two months and it's like where's my promotion facts i was the same way man like i get i yeah, get it you, get you know it. what i mean yeah but um but again it's long-term vision because once you start getting in your head and you start feeling like i should get promoted especially if you're yeah. on linkedin and you see every single day this person was promoted to AE, this person was promoted to AE. It gets to you. You get in your head. So like seeing the long-term vision, like you got to be committed to where you're at instead of staying for six months, going to a new job, trying to do it again, yeah. seeing the long-term vision. So if, as long as you feel like you're in the right spot, you're doing all the right things. Um, and also have the perspective that the SDR role is super valuable. Like if you can master that, those are you're going to be a better AE. Yeah. So like take the time to really master the role while you're in it. But again, it's it's long-term vision, seeing, seeing beyond just... Um, the short term, in my opinion. I I like that you said long-term vision because the SDR role sets you up for short-term vision. Yeah. Because everything's short-term, right? It's like, okay, you have to book this amount of meetings today. This month, you hit your quota, right? And it's every, you're stressed every day about hitting this monthly quota. And a lot of managers and even leaders don't have a conversation with their SDRs and be like, okay, what does this look like in six months? Yeah. What does this look like a year from now? What does it look like five? Like, where are you trying to go? And yeah. most people obviously that come out of college are most likely going to go in an SDR role or maybe it's their second role coming out of college. So they may not have all the insights in the world, right? They may not know what their 10 year plan is, right? right? But they should have an understanding of where they're looking to go with this role. And I think that's one of the biggest misses in the industry right now is that we're not talking long term for SDRs. We have them so short term focus, it derails and impacts their career trajectory. Yeah. I agree, man. Yeah. And again, you just see it all the time. People get promoted super fast. And yeah. It's like we just, that's the only thing we're focusing on. Yeah. And then you end up sinking exactly. <laughs> real, real quick. <laughs> I think, that, yeah, there just has to be more of a focus on like talking about how valuable the SDR role really is. Yeah. Even if you transition outside of sales, like super valuable. So like definitely make the most while you're in that role. So you made the most out of your role. Like we mentioned, the number one SDR, you booked obviously a ton of meetings in order to accomplish that. And then you got promoted to manager yeah so 
was that what you where you always wanted to go and what was the decision on you not picking to be an ae yeah <laughs> it's funny man um how do i put this in the, like i was i was definitely like they leadership above me definitely wanted me to take that direction yeah well, rightfully so right um our alpine team was new and uh, i was doing a lot of things like trying to innovate and stuff yeah. and they were like we want you to lead this team and, we, and they wanted to scale this was the end of 2020 yeah they wanted to really scale the alpine team going into 2021 and um it, it just made more sense at the time and you know i was getting in a sense like pushing that direction not in a negative way but like yeah. th that's what they wanted and um the way i saw it was like let me take this opportunity um see how i like leadership i ended up really liking it super enjoy you yeah know, I, I enjoy i'm love that i'm in the role right now um but i'll take it as an opportunity to really master the sdr role prospecting mm. before i move to the closing side yeah um that's my goal really is to be as good as possible at prospecting you know in the sales development role and i feel like if i can have a successful team um then i can really say like i know what i'm doing yeah and we're heavily aligned on that i, I took the same path um, yeah. they also pushed me towards being a yeah. leader as well i didn't really i was like okay i guess i'll just lead this team and you know at the max i had 13 reps yeah. and i learned so much from having the that many people and i don't do that anymore i've trained and coached in those things but managing that team as you know you learn so much and it really puts your skills to the test yeah because it's not just about me right or just you like okay i'm good at cold calling so i'm just gonna make cold calls you have to yeah. be like this person's not good at cold calling they might be good at email yeah. i might not be good as good as email but i have to figure out the skill set and the coaching to get them better at email when I might not be the best at it because I need to enable them to be the best at that thing that they're good at. Yeah. And that is really difficult to do. And that's when you really start understanding what sales development is because you have to be able to read the data and then decipher, okay, this person needs to be doing more of this. This person needs to do more of that. And that's hard. It is, man. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And then you learn so much from your reps too. Yeah. Like you, you do. When I get... You, when I first got into the role, I'm like, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, like, exactly. this, like this, <laughs> this is up. And then I'm the goat. Watch out. <laughs> yeah. And then and then you start learning. Like, damn, I never thought of that. And yeah. like, there's people who are on my team who are way better cold callers than I ever was. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, so yeah, you learn a lot. It humbles you as well. But yeah, I like it. Yeah, and also another factor on that is I talked about intangibles for an SDR. Now that you're in the manager role, what are the intangibles that you feel like SDR managers? number one for them to be successful patience is a big one <laughs> i would say there we talked about that earlier, therapy right yeah. another interview oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, yeah we talked about therapy sessions yeah, yeah yeah man uh i think there's like a misconception that you might get into management and it's like oh i'm chilling now you know so yeah. i don't have an individual number mm -hmm. you know it's on the team sort of thing or like i i'll have a I'll have more time on my hands. Like that's not the case at all. Yeah. And I'm super grateful for it. Like I, I really enjoy what I do, but yeah, patience is a big one, man, because there's, especially in the SDR role, um, where there's going to be a little bit more turnover maybe because people are newer in their, yeah. in their career. Like people might not be as experienced. Like you have to have a level of patience because, um, there's always gonna be fires to put out yep. and, uh, you don't have as much control over your day. Like when I was an SDR, I could just not talk to anybody, do my thing, hit my target clock out. But like you have to help people, you know, put out fires. And so patience is a big one, I think. Yeah. Um, and it, it also shows like if you don't have patience and you're uh, kind of letting that get to you in front of your team, the team yeah. catches on. It, it, it spreads and it, it affects the culture a lot. It does. Yeah. It absolutely does. And you have to be calm and composed in those situations because like you said, it will 
go across the whole entire team and now it becomes toxic it becomes negative and now yeah. people aren't doing what they need to be doing so as we as we wrap up and get to the final points of this interview one thing i want to talk about is you went from the rep and you went into the manager and there's probably some people that you're managing right now that you were in the trenches with them so what's a couple pieces of advice that you can give to some people that are going from an sdr maybe they were like the number one top sdr and now they're managing the reps that they were doing cold calls with yeah man it's tough um i think you have to be like really self-aware with those yep. people and understand like where they're at and not try to like overstep your boundaries yeah like don't try to be like over the top with the coaching like let them kind of come to you in a sense and you do have to build their trust. Like at the end of the day, just because you have a manager title doesn't mean everybody needs to respect you. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is help them out. Like whether that's like, yo, I'm going to do some prospecting for you, get some meetings on the calendar and really mm. go uh, above and beyond for those specific people where you're aware that there might be some tension because you were just a peer with them. Yeah. And like you have to earn their respect. That's the biggest thing. Like just because I'm a manager doesn't mean you should respect me. Yeah. And so, yeah, be self-aware of those people. Try to go out of your way to to earn their respect and um yeah i mean that's how do you how do you how do you do the self-awareness piece oh how do you how do you be self-aware of not self-aware of yourself but yeah, self-aware yeah. of other reps man i don't know how i would uh coach to that i think it's yeah. just like you can sense you, you know got like a mean? crystal ball in your room like okay nah, yeah sally's going crazy today so well, <laughs> yeah man i mean like if you're on a one-on-one -on -one and, yeah. and you can tell like you gave them specific coaching or feedback last week and they didn't yeah. really implement it the next week, you, you, know, you can tell when people are- Something's a little off. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. aren't necessarily fully understanding what you're saying and respecting it. Okay. So basically it sounds like from your perspective is that you give people advice or something they can go do. If they don't do it, they don't execute and they're like, oh, I didn't do it. Then you're like, something's off. Yeah. I need to, I need to dive deeper. Ask some layering questions here. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah the reps that like really respect- um, really respect you as a leader are going to take action. You know what I'm saying? On on the advice you're giving, you're going to have an actual back and forth conversation Yeah. or it's collaborative and not just, or another thing is like, if you're giving them direction or trying to coach and they're just giving you really short handed answers, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, that's probably another indicator. You know? Yeah. That might, that might not be a rep that's going to be on very much longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're up here, final question. Yeah. What is the best, sales advice that you received recently oh, that i received recently best sales advice um hmm i guess the best the best cold calling advice i, I received cold calling advice recently yep. uh, we had a trainer on kyle van boris okay for our team okay shout out to him he's dope um but his advice was just be more energetic like whether it's cold calling or yeah. whatnot like turn up your energy level. He had a really good quote. He was like, when you go to Starbucks and there's that super happy person who's like all pumped to give you your coffee. Yeah. And they're working, you know, they're 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 doing doing their shift at, at Starbucks or whatever, but they have that that type of energy. Um, I guess I can't explain the analogy as good as him. But like that's the type of energy. <laughs> yeah. The person who's no, like, I, yeah, yeah, for they're sure. working a, a crappy job, but they have that level of energy and it sticks with you, right? Like yeah. that's what you should take into your cold calls is like that type of energy where it's going to stick with them. You're going to stand out. And so I guess the, the main thing is just, just have more energy in everything you do. Like yeah. turn it up a notch, whether it's with your team because it's going to bleed off into your team or whether you're cold calling, just turn up your energy a notch. Yeah. I feel thing. that. I feel that um, when I go to the sauna in the Saturday morning in my ritual, uh, it's right next to Orange Fit and they're always hyping there. Yeah. They're like, all right, let's go. Let's go. I'm like, yo, I, I don't, 
I'm not trying to take that class today, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I might pop in because of the energy. And that sounds like what you're talking about. It's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're somebody where they're in a position where it's like, damn, I, like, if I was doing that, if I was working at McDonald's, I might not yeah. be as happy, but you have that type of energy. And that's the type of like infectious energy you want to give your team and, and people you're cold calling. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. We, um, we've said it a lot here within a lot of videos that we talk about is sales is the transfer of enthusiasm. Yes. And really diving into how to transfer that energy over so someone is excited, not in a crazy way, right? You don't need to be like berserk and be like, hey, like you did it. Like, no, it's yeah. like, but you have that energy where people are compelled to listen to you more yeah. and want to do those things. And so as we wrap up here, any shout outs, any mentions that you have here before you wrap it up? No shout outs. Uh Reach out to me on LinkedIn. I have a newsletter too. Yeah. Subscribe to that if you want. I do uh, prospecting tips on there. And yeah. Yeah. Look me up, Jed. I'm, you're, there's not many Jeds. So you'll, you'll find me. <laughs> All right. Well, appreciate you, Jed. Um, as always, y'all, hope you enjoyed the conversation and one up, and we'll see you next time.